0: Welcome to the Good Shepherd and the Child podcast, where we explore the spirituality of the Christian child using the method of Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. I am your host, Carrie Mecki Lozano. Welcome back, friends. Today I'm excited because it is Ash Wednesday, this beautiful season of preparation. So we thought that it would be a really great way to start off this season by bringing Claudia back on the podcast to speak about. The examination of conscience through the eyes of catechesis of the Good Shepherd. In religious potential of the child, Sophia Cavalletti says, in early childhood, the child's greatest need and capacity is for relationship, to be loved, and to have someone to love. The satisfaction of this most vital need is the foundation on which the moral life is based. It remains fundamental to the older child's choice of behaviors. We have seen that the religious experience, the enjoyment of God's presence in our life, has a fundamental part in the satisfaction of this vital need. So much so that we can say that every religious experience and any kind of religious formation in early childhood contribute to to the child's harmonious formation in the present, and that they are indirect moral preparation for later childhood. I am really excited to share this conversation with you, and I hope that it helps your preparation for Christ's death and resurrection. Claudia, welcome back to the Good Shepherd in the Child podcast. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for inviting me again. Well Claudia, anybody for anybody who was not able to listen to the first episode where we had you as a guest, would you please tell us a little bit about who you are and how you got involved with catechesis of the Good Shepherd?
1: Yeah. I'm Claudia Margarita and I'm working now in the parish of St. Tim's in level one, two, three. And I'm a trainer for all three levels. And I got involved with the catechesis of the Good Shepherd in very complicated situations uh, Ways <laughs> through the Holy Spirit, and I had the opportunity to work and live with Sofia Cavaletti and Jenna Gobi for seven, eight years, and yeah, and I fell in love and fall in love with the catechesis, slowly, slowly, but sure, mm-hmm. and that's now
0: over thirty-four years. Wow, that's beautiful. I just love that you were able to spend so much time living with them in Italy. That's such a gift. Yeah, it was really a gift for spiritually
1: and practically and in every sense.
0: Yeah, yeah, completely transformative. So I'm really excited about this topic, especially because today as this podcast comes out, it's Ash Wednesday, and this is just a perfect topic for us as we begin this journey of Lent, this journey towards the resurrection. And so I'm really excited that we're doing this conversation, this topic, because I love the way that Sophia has brought light to the examination of conscience and how at least for me, she's transformed the way I look at it in examination of conscience and reconciliation. I don't know about you and your experience with your first reconciliation, but for me, I remember my experience, my primary experience with the sacrament was very much fear. And the only thing I remember is being so scared of not remembering all the words to the act of contrition. And that's where all my thought was consumed, was on that memorizing all the words to that prayer.
1: Yeah, and my experience was also the fear, and my experience was also I didn't know what confession was. Mm. And I remember the dress I was wearing, but I didn't know my sins. So my mother wrote my sins for me, Mm. and I went with the paper to the um, priest, and I lost the paper, so it was very dramatic. Oh, no. So what Sophia gives to the children is they don't feel this drama Mm -hmm. because she goes for the sweetness of the love of the Lord for them. Mm -hmm. And so she takes all the drama away and she uses parables and also liturgy to introduce to this sweetness of the Lord, to this mercy, to His greatness. And so the fear goes into joy. Mm -hmm. And I see the children, while preparing, and also for experience I have now with the children, this joy they have for the preparation for this sacrament. And so the fear is joy. Mm -hmm. It's this awareness that there is this gift.
0: So she's very delicate on on this theme. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that it's the foundation is on love and joy. Because if that is the primary experience that a person has with this specific sacrament, because this is a very um, intimidating sacrament to so many of us. But if your primary experience is that of joy and love, that is the feeling that will be wrapped around it. And you are probably more likely to continue to celebrate the sacrament for the rest of your life. Yes. But if your primary experience is one of fear and judgment, then you don't want to go celebrate that sacrament ever again. Like, nope, check, done that, don't want to do that ever again. No. You say no, that punishment is enough. Mm -hmm. No more. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. So Sophia speaks about that foundation of moral development being first to have... Fallen in love with Jesus. Yes.
1: And you know, in the album page, which we love so much, (laughs) the first thing she wrote down, I wrote my points, and somewhere I put enamoramento to fall in love, Mm. and she puts big number one on it. Mm -hmm. So number one of the whole thing is to fall in love with, in this case, for example, with the maxims, to fall in love with the moral Uh, in parentheses, education.
0: Mm -hmm. So it's to fall in love with the Word of God. Mm -hmm. You see that so much in our level one atrium. Even though these children are younger than seven, so they haven't hit that um, sensitive period for moral development. They aren't ready for moral development yet. But we've laid this foundation of love, of how much they are loved, and to give them space for a response to that love. And give them that as their, as that foundation of moral development. We've just laid it out so beautifully there in level one, so that when they become of age to start thinking about morality, they have that love there to guide them. The basis. yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter which parable begins in, we call the moral parable, and she begins with a positive, with a generosity. You know, mm-hmm. for example, um it's not in the meditations but the sower. Mm-hmm. She doesn't begin with the four different soils, but she begins with the generosity of the of the sower mm-hmm. you know he just sows everywhere. it doesn't matter where he has the the trust he has, and so she begins always with the greatness with the with the trust, with the love you know of giving. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it always is generosity and the trust the Lord has. Mm -hmm.
0: I love how we use the moral parables in our moral formation because the way that it is done, it's not us telling the children what is right and wrong. It's It's guiding the children for them to discover within themselves what is right and wrong. And there's an ownership to that, but then there's also how Maria Montessori always says, like, to um, help the child help themselves. Mm -hmm. And then Sophia said, um, we help the child to judge themselves by themselves. And the moral parables allow that to happen. It's teaching the children how to self-assess rather than Uh, self-assess the children for them, like what you shared about your mother and your experience. Or if we tell the children, "Mm, yeah, you just lied. Make sure you say that in your next confession or in your first confession or whatever. The moral parables allow for the children to learn how to self-assess, self-examine. Yeah, Sophia says
1: the risk is that the adults could impose their own conscience on the child. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that is what what happens so easily, that is to judge the child's action instead of helping the child to judge their own behavior. Mm -hmm. So that's also to impose is very easily for an adult than to help them, like you said,
0: to discover their own behavior, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a lot of us could probably relate to that experience of the judgment being imposed on us rather than self-discovery so Sophia spoke about when a child's moral formation is not based on love we see these deviations that happen we see different possibilities of what can happen in the child when we're talking to them about morality or such and I found that these were very fascinating because this is this is what we see most common when we're dealing with moral formation in children. Like, for example, she speaks about the child who has no inner listening. The child that simply doesn't know how to pay attention to that inner voice. Yeah, because it's like a child who is deaf. Mm-hmm.
1: But um, it doesn't go into his heart. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't go to her heart, how does it become your own? And it's all about that it uh, that it gets like incarnated in, in yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, and the fear goes to the negative because it's not part of you, the positive, mm-hmm. that it's all negative. You incarnate something negative. Mm-hmm. And there we talk about the fear we have. hmm and then you're not motivated yet, like you say, Carrie, that that it's not a celebration anymore. Mm-hmm. You're not motivated to go to confession anymore, or to do
0: to follow the inner need that child has. Right, right, because it's not. You're not motivated because you're not in love.
1: No, and you don't. Do you don't want to
0: go where your weakness is? Right, right. That's uncomfortable. Then she also speaks about the child who is based on fear so like fear of the judger fear of the times they didn't obey like as if they were a slave or such we hear this sometimes when adults will say things like you know god is listening god is watching you um in all love they say these things but inadvertently creating the judger mentality of God rather than the God that loves. It is focusing on the God that judges. Yes, and that's the opposite what the child
1: should have the experience because it's a loving father. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And
0: that is what the parable teach, the method Jesus chose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, rather than the judgment coming from love, from a place of a father who wants to help you it's coming from the condemner yeah and then i think that this last one is the most subtle but it's also i think the most common it's the one that refers to a child who is not no longer motivated by fear it's not fear that motivates them but it's just this like moving through the motions it's just um doing what I'm told to do, doing what is needed to be done, rather than a response of love or a response of fear. Yeah, it's a requirement from the exterior. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say that that's probably what we have experienced within ourselves the most common and also what we see in children most common. Maybe not the youngest child, but as they get older, they just start doing what they're told to do. Um. Yeah. It's it's Advent. It's Lent. I'm supposed to go to confession. I'll go through the motions, but it's not actually a response of encounter with God and a response for I'm loved so much. I've been given so much, and I want to respond to that. Yeah, exactly.
1: And sometimes I hear also from the children, "Why are you preparing for confession or reconciliation? Because my mother said so." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's sad. You know, it is. I had this also now with with a child uh, last Thursday. Um, I go to confession. My dad wants to. Mm-hmm. And you saw the sadness in the eyes of the child, and not the excitement like the other children.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's obligation, right? It's it's walking through the motions. So Claudia. Like I, I'm thinking like from a mother's perspective, how do I do this on a practical level? How do I guide my children through an examination of conscience or through their relationship with moral formation and with God in a way that is more based on love and what Sophia speaks about like how do I do that?
1: Well, Carrie, sincerely, I would also use the parables we we do
0: in the atrium mm-hmm where they discover the kingdom of God. So you, so the kingdom of God is like the mustard seed. The kingdom of God is like the precious pearl. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So they can fall in love, and I think they
1: are deeply rooted in us. And like you say, the mustard seed and the pearl, the wondering is there about the mystery of life and the beauty of the kingdom of heaven, that there is already a point of falling in love, beauty, Value, and I think when you begin from, like you said at the beginning, when you begin at a very um, young age, you can talk about it and also see that there is um, not a consequence, but it's a taking care of it and a response, a response and a responsibility. If there is, um, Sophia also talk about the response. Not only responsabilita, uh, responsibility, but a responsabilita, respondere, a uh, response of something. Mm-hmm. So if I respond something, I have a responsibility. Mm-hmm. And this response is just to answers to something, not to have a responsibility immediately, but to response to a gift. Mm-hmm. And if I may say so, also the sheep, propose the parable of the insistent friend mm. or the tax collector Pharisee in tax collector. She also talks about uh, the maxims, which we also can talk at home where it's not the Ten Commandments, like you said, it's the punishment mm-hmm. uh, which we do learn in the atrium with the older ones but also hear about um, where is the love? Where is the goodness? It's not the judging, but where is the goodness of of these parables?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Or very simple, the the maxim: when you pray into your room, um, where is this room? Is it in your room at your where you sleep, or is it at the living room, or is it at your prayer corner? Where is your room? To discover that. It's maybe in your heart, mm-hmm. and you know, it's also how are you normally taking your time with your child? Are you praying with your child at home? Do you take time to read maybe the Bible with your child? It's not only the moment of the examination of conscience, because is it that you have a, um, what you do every day? Mm-hmm. A ritual? A ritual, do you have a ritual with your child? I think that's the most important part. Mm-hmm. Not just,
0: let's do no examination of conscience because. Right. That is not the first step, the examination of conscience. It's after you have um, laid that foundation of love with these other parables and with the daily observation of the gifts of God that surround us and a response of thankfulness to that. And after that foundation then moving on to an examination of conscience.
1: Yes, and, and discovering the joy, you know. Where is the joy, what do we see?
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. And God being the foundation of that joy.
1: Yeah, and, and having having joy to, to do things too, in order to get stronger. Not the joy
0: to do something, but the joy to, in order to get stronger. Mm-hmm. So then after, a, like creating this foundation of love and joy and we feel like our child is ready for the step of the examination of conscience. How would you recommend doing that? You know, what is important
1: is that the, uh, that I know that the child is, is, that's very complicated to say I know because truth only the child and God knows. The child in the interior knows if he or she's ready. Mm. Mm-hmm. I'm just accompanying the child. Mm-hmm. I think first of all you have to be in communication with a priest. Uh in Rome we had the luxury that there was a priest who knew the catechesis. Mm-hmm. So we were collaborating or they are collaborating with a priest, where they are in contact with a priest, with a catechist, with a parent. Mm-hmm. And with the observation and dialogue and with all three, we could say, okay, this child has, is ready because of the work we observe, the observation we do, and the joy the child has mm-hmm. in response to several parables or maxims. Mm-hmm. And there is a preparation for a whole year. And we, for example, have a box I desire first communion or confirmation or confession Mm -hmm. where they put their name inside or outside, in and out. And there we can
0: see, uh aha, there is a desire Mm. because it's Mm self-election. So it is less about a child's age or grade than a child's inner disposition and joy and knowledge of their own readiness, desire. Yes. Yes. That's beautiful, because every child develops differently.
1: Yeah, that's why we have different ages. Mm-hmm. And at home, we we, um, we also have, for example, home children, homeschool. Right. And the same thing, we we animate them to do the same thing, to let the child also, with self-election, mm-hmm. with help, of course, but self-election. And of course we say please don't impose your own conscience to the on the child. do mm-hmm.
0: Don't judge the child's actions and so so on. Right, right. So we don't want to sit with the children with a list of possible sins like a check checkbox. Absolutely not. For them to say yes, I've done that, I haven't done that, etc. How Absolute, yeah. And what way do we guide them through that without this checkbox of sins mentality? You know,
1: Sophia always talked about, since we have several maxims and several parables, that it's like a mosaic, do you say like that? Mosaic. Mosaic, Mm -hmm. which they can look at it. Mm -hmm. And it's like a piece of art. And we present this piece of art, and everybody looks at the piece of art in different ways. And we have to leave the child the freedom mm-hmm. to look at this piece of art
0: and put the piece of art together. Mm-hmm. And that's what we can offer. Mm-hmm. So using the maxims, which are the a maxims, are the statements that Jesus said in the Gospels, such as love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, um, like make your yes mean yes and your no mean no. These kind of short statements. In the atrium, we have like 16 of them somewhere around there. Yes using those to present to the child for them to discover their own as a child said their own love holes (laughs) yes yes exactly (laughs) i love that that's such a beautiful description for these their own places in their life where they haven't loved as god has loved because god is the example of love and mercy is so high that none of us love as he loves and so, but using him as our bar you through the maxims and through the parables and through the knowing about Jesus' life, and using that as our bar to reflect on our own life to say, yeah, I haven't loved my enemies. I haven't loved as God has loved. Letting the children discover those love holes on their own rather than the checkbox mentality. I I love that. I love that. And you know, we can
1: trust that the child understands. Mm -hmm. With all we think it's too difficult, it's too... They won't understand, they won't analyze. Oh, they
0: can't do that. Right. Very deeply. Right. And what is appropriate for their age. I think that as much of a 7, 8, 9, 10 even year old what they are aware of about their own quote-unquote love holes is where they're at morally and spiritually. So that it, whatever they discover is what they should take to, celebra- to the celebration of reconciliation, not our imposed sins on them, because that's not where they're at morally yet. So I love Sophia says at one point that she says that their full awareness of their state of sin rarely comes before early adolescence. So a seven year old is not fully aware of their state of sin yet, but they are aware of at a seven year old level an eight year old level a nine year old level. And that's where they're at. We shouldn't impose our thoughts as adults into this seven, eight, nine, 10 year olds mind into their own soul and morality but respect where they are at. Exactly, and what I think
1: is very important, Carrie, is that she says it goes bit by bit. The truth we reach is only bit by bit mm-hmm. in which the personal work is required. Right. And that is the also a key point in, in the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. It goes
0: slowly. Mm-hmm. Respect that metamorphosis that happens within all of us spiritually rather than expect this seven eight year old to be a full butterfly we need to allow them to slowly metamorphosize on their own in their own pace surrounded by this rich food so then sophia speaks about how we should always finish in the examination of conscience or in moral formation or in our own moral awareness that we should always end moral formation in God's love. I well I just love that she says that 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 should be the the conclusion, the culmination of it all is that we don't end with our own sins, we don't end with our own like awareness of our love holes, but we end with, an encounter with God's love again. We end with um, falling deeper in love with God after having experienced such immense mercy. Isn't that beautiful?
1: Yeah. Oh, you know what is also cool, Carrie, what um, Augustine says, that um, instead of the confession of sins, it's always a confession of praise. Mm. Hmm. That's beautiful. I love that. And then something else came in my mind from Tillman Mm -hmm. that he says um, in a book of his that confession shouldn't be dry but it should be a living moment because if it's dry it's not it's not like incarnated it's not your own oh and here she even
0: mentions him Mm. a living moment it's so it's so contradictory to how so many of us have thought about this sacrament of something you just have to do rather than it's something that's praising, that's living, that's walking with love. Like it's just so contradictory to what we've all imagined when we think about the sacrament. And I'm so grateful because I feel like my relationship with the sacrament has been completely transformed through my formation with Catechists of the Good Shepherd where it's like you said it's about praise it's about walking with love rather than a child in the corner being condemned and put in time out <laughs> I know so you don't have fear anymore I don't I don't do you uh sometimes it's
1: it's the motivation is difficult
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: sometimes yeah
0: yeah well is there anything else Claudia that you would like to lift up yeah this praising
1: and uh This not being dry has to be something which is living thing, which should be living in us, something which should be awake in us. Mm -hmm.
0: Something that's living in us that when I think about that, I think about it not being something that we just pull out when it's time to celebrate the sacrament, but living in us like it's in our daily lives, like it's um, an awareness of the gifts surrounding us that make us aware of those love holes it's that living in us it's that constant awareness which is what whenever you read about like a daily examine like as you're going to bed at night like that's what it is it's like an awareness of the gifts and then an awareness of the love holes an awareness of God's presence within all of that it has that full circle starting with love discovering your own insufficiencies in contrast to that love and then embracing God even more because of his love and mercy. Just a beautiful daily examine that follows that same model as well. Yes. And then I go to with
1: Augustine and Tillman or mm-hmm. Tillman, Tillman and Augustine. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah. I love it. Well, thank you, Claudia. Thank you for helping us just kind of ponder this, beautiful way of looking at the sacrament and this beautiful way of doing an examine, especially as we now enter into this beautiful season of Lent. I really appreciate you taking the time to, to help us sit and ponder that a little bit more. Thank you. And may I finish with Augustine?
1: Yes. Yeah. What uh, Sophia also mentions uh, always Augustine who says that the confession is uh, uh, confession is a praise. It's a acclamation of the goodness of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that's what we see on the children also with, when they come out with their joyful face. It's a praising. Mm. It's not the fearful face, but it's a praising mm. when they come out. And also Tillman, it's a German theologian. He also says the confession shouldn't be dry, but it's a living moment. It's a living experience they're having. So yes, so thank you for inviting me, Carrie. It's Mm -hmm. always been a pleasure to speak with you.
0: It's always a pleasure to speak with you too, Claudia. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you all for listening to this week's episode of the Good Shepherd and the Child podcast. I have a few chapters that I'm going to point you to that will be great for you to sit with during this time of Lent. We have The Religious Potential of the Child by Sophia Cavaletti. We have chapter nine on moral formation. Earlier, I read a quote from page 120, if you have the third edition. There's also The Religious Potential of the Child for the six to 12-year-old. That would be chapter 12 that I will point you to. Of course, there's The Good Shepherd and the Child, A Joyful Journey. That The last chapter of that book is on moral formation, chapter 12. And Life in the Vine, The Joyful Journey continues, our new book by Rebecca Roytsevich. Chapter seven is on the moral life in the kingdom. All of these chapters, just one or all of them, would be great supplementals for you to go ponder after listening to this episode. Last Lent, 2021, We had Rebecca Roycevich on the podcast, and she spoke about moral formation as well. So if you want to go back now and listen to episode 33 with her, it piggybacks on today's episode beautifully. This podcast is sponsored by the United States Association of Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. If you would like to know more about Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, or if you would like to become a member, please go to cgsusa.org. Thank you all for listening this week. We will see you in two weeks. Go and fall more deeply in love with God.